Happy holidays, everyone. Welcome to the 2023 edition of the Christmas Movie Countdown here at Allentown Presents. I am your host, Katie, and I am joined by my handsome husband, Otis. Hello. And we will be reviewing a Christmas movie every night from December 1st to Christmas. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode number seven, Christmas with the Cranks. So I had never seen Christmas with the Cranks before. Had you? It's weird. I remember... Spots of this movie, and I think it was just the, the the trailer of it, because when Tim Allen falls off the house and he like uh, just freezes like upside down, I remember that from the trailer. I always thought it was a cool idea, but I don't remember this movie. And I love me some Jamie Lee Curtis, but now it doesn't feel like I've seen it all the way through. I think I've seen pieces of it because some things didn't surprise me, but then some some stuff I was like, I don't remember that. I feel like this is one of those movies that I never sat down and watched. Like, I purposely never sat down and watched. But I definitely saw bits and pieces of it. Like, yeah. it was on in the background of part of, you know, some 25 Days of Christmas oh, something. Or yeah. just randomly playing. Uh, so I have seen, like, little bits and pieces of it. And I do remember, like, all the scenes from the trailer were recognizable. But that's mostly because we watched the trailer, like a week or two ago yeah <laughs> try to make up the list for this year's uh christmas movie countdown but what did you think now that you've watched sat down and watched the whole thing i'm torn as a young kid i would absolutely adore this movie like no question to be like that was fun it was crazy the whole block was just mad and all this stuff and it was crazy i still would have felt the same way about jamie lee curtis back then because i still feel the same way but <laughs> As an adult, seeing this block and how they deal with the cranks, it's one of my, it's my seven words, but people would have gotten punched in the mouth. And I get it. It's it's this like fantasy block that just like, oh, you're not celebrating Christmas? Like, no, man. But but we always celebrate Christmas. Like, bitch, my mom died. Oh, oh. Or you're going to put Santa Claus up? No! Get out of my fucking face before I hit you! Yeah. It just... It was crazy. It's like this block is just so weird about Christmas. And just they're all nosy and stuff. And like I said, it, I didn't realize it was based on a book. Me and neither. so I looked a little bit into it, and it was by John Grisham. You know what else John, John Grisham did, Katie? Everything. A Time to Kill. You know that movie with Samuel Jackson when he killed... The guy that raped his little daughter, and he's in, like, fucking trial. Spoiler alert, I have not seen that movie. Oh, it's a wild movie. But that doesn't surprise me. I'm pretty sure the John Grisham section at the library is, like, 85 rows. Yeah, it's (laughs) always... The dude has written so many fucking books. It's always, like, the something, like, the juror, the... It's so many books. He's made at least, like, 30, like, bestsellers. Yeah. But, yeah, no, um, that's the one he's like, yeah, I killed him, and I hope they burn in hell. Oh, okay. That's what it's from. I know the memes. So, yeah. (laughs) I didn't... I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, Samuel Jackson gets revenge within the first five minutes. And you're like, hey, this is a short... gonna be a short-ass movie. And then it's like, oh, you killed a white guy. A white kid. (laughs) You know? You can't do that, uh, black man. (laughs) And so it's... uh, The lawyer's trying to get him off because the whole town wants to kill him because he's black. Um, It's a really good story. Uh, Tons of amazing stories by John Grisham. I learned that this book is probably a lot of people said it's like his weakest one. It was weird because he did a lot me. of like procedural 
drama like books and him skipping this is like Christmas. way out of yeah. way out of his like thing it, it, it'd be like stephen king writing a true christmas story like yeah why why you yeah. write horror and like creepy like supernatural murdery things happening all the time why would you turn around and write something happy though i will say like stephen king writing could, a children's he, book he could probably give it a pretty good shot because stand by me is not supernatural at all it's just about four kids what looking at a dead body yeah, and it's like, yeah. Oh, notice how there's a dead body. I doubt there's a dead body in Skipping Christmas. <laughs> but, um, no, it's, everyone said it was weird, like the book wasn't that good. But as a whole, the story, it's good, but, okay. So the whole thing is they're skipping Christmas because their daughter is gone. And they're like, why the fuck would we celebrate Christmas? Because our daughter, which is seems to be a whole crux about Christmas, isn't here. So yeah. if, and then, surprise, she's coming back home. They're like, holy shit, we gotta, you know, make Christmas happen within, like, two or three days. If they got to that part faster, and it was them struggling to get Christmas going, I think I would have liked this movie a little bit more. But it takes, like, an hour and change for them to be like, oh, gosh, she's coming back. It well, was... I think I think that helps the story a lot, actually that it takes so long because then you realize how down to the wire they really are that is because true. she literally calls them fucking like christmas eve morning and is like hey ho surprise i'm on a flight to fucking atlanta and i will be back in wherever the fuck they live somewhere where it snows Illinois, I think. yeah <laughs> i'll be back uh home in like eight hours yeah. good luck like that's that, true. That pushes the narrative that they're just like royally fucked, as like if she had called several days ahead of time, like it wouldn't be as big of a deal. And all the like feelings you're meant to feel with them losing out on their vacation and all these different things, like that's true. that goes away if you're they're not just under the wire. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I totally agree because I had never seen this movie before. If I had seen this as a kid, I probably would have loved it. I would have yeah. laughed at all the, like, just ridiculous humor, like, people falling off roofs and just weird-ass shit that's happening in this movie. Because it is one of those, like, weird Christmas family movies. It's very much like a jingle all the way. Like, there's a lot yeah. of just weird scenarios happening in this Everybody's movie. Everybody's weird. Everybody's weird. And as a kid, I would not have cared that the adults were, like, shaming these other adults for not celebrating Christmas because I would have sided with the rest of the neighbors. I'm like, yeah, fucking Christmas. Like, you don't just not celebrate <laughs> Christmas. Little kid me is like, the fuck? No, you, everybody on the street celebrates Christmas. You got to celebrate Christmas. But adult me was like, if these motherfuckers don't get off my lawn, like, <laughs> like I'm calling the cops, like we're tussling in the streets because yeah. it was, the neighbors were just fucking disrespectful, this whole thing. So, uh, we've said our little bits. Now I'll kind of get into the story so you kind of understand more about <laughs> why Otis and I feel the way we do. So, um, in Riverside, Illinois, Luther and Nora Crank are saying goodbye to their daughter, Blair, who is, like, very young. She's a very young adult, like, just graduated high school, yeah, it seems. that's what it looked like. She was still living at home for now, I guess, or for the summer. And she leaves for the Peace Corps, and she is going to Peru 
they are not doing great uh, at the very beginning. Like most adults don't do very well when their adult kids leave the nest for the first time. Um, and by Thanksgiving, they are freaking out. The empty nest syndrome um, is heavy in both of them. He is very much like, let's get up and let's go and let's do some shit. Like, yeah. I'm ready to get out of the house. Like, we don't have a kid to worry about. Let's fucking go. And Nora, on the other hand, is very much like, no, I need to be by the phone in case Blair calls. Like, we can't leave, even though my adult daughter is fucking gone. <laughs> so Luther spends a lot of the beginning of this movie trying to convince uh, his wife, Nora, that it's okay. We don't have to, like, worry about her. She's an adult. She made her choice. She's in the Peace Corps. Our house will still be here. Like, how about we go on a cruise? He calculates everything out. He finds the receipts from last year's Christmas, all the money they spent making uh, Blair's last, like, high school Christmas a huge blowout. Uh, they're the couple on the street that always have a, a giant Christmas Eve party that everyone yeah. has come to expect. And they spend, they go all out on Christmas. Not to mention that their street is a kind of candy cane lane situation um and the whole street decorates every year they have like this running theme everyone in the neighborhood has a frosty the snowman that everybody puts on their roof so weird. uh yeah it's like all <laughs> matching and it's freaking weird um but their family and their whole street goes all out for christmas so he calculates everything out and he figures out that they spent over six thousand dollars last christmas which Christ. is insanity to me um and he basically does some math and figures out that if they skip christmas this year and do a 10-day caribbean cruise they will only spend about three grand and it takes some insisting and some convincing and a little nudging um but he finally gets nora to agree and nora's like you know what fuck it. I don't gotta, like, prep all this shit for this holiday party. We don't have to decorate the house. Like, I'm all in. 10-day cruise. Let's fucking go. So, they spend uh, the next couple of weeks explaining to everyone around them, all of their neighbors and everyone else, that they are skipping Christmas. And they go on to say, you know, Blair is gone. Like, Blair's in Peru. She's not going to be home for Christmas. There's not a reason for us to do Christmas. Like, it's just me and her. Like, why don't we just go out and have fun for ourselves? And everyone else in this fucking neighborhood is giving them shit because how dare you not put Frosty on your roof? How <laughs> dare you not decorate? How dare you not buy a Christmas tree from the Boy Scouts? How dare you not have a Christmas Eve party like you do every year because what the fuck am I going to do on Christmas Eve if you don't have the party that I always plan to go to? That kind of bullshit. Now you un you're understanding why Otis and I are so fucking salty at these neighbors because they are shitting on the cranks yeah. for this. So the cranks have been 
trying and trying and trying to get people to just like get the fuck out of their face. There's a lot of really funny scenes here where Tim Allen and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis are like ducking and dodging their neighbors, like hiding behind curtains and refusing to answer the doorbell. And there's a little kid in the neighborhood that lives across the street played by, uh, I don't know the actor's name, but it's Dewey. Eric, Eric Per Sullivan? Yeah, Eric Per Sullivan, which is Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle. And he just keeps coming by and yelling like, free Frosty, free Frosty, because <laughs> they haven't put their Frosty out on up on the roof. Um, so the cranks are just like trying to get to their crews. You know, they, they're counting down the days. They're going through all of this fucking mess. And they're prepping for their crews. They're getting fucking tans because they're <laughs> pasty from Illinois. Like, and it's the middle of winter. So nobody has any type of tan. They're, you know, they're planning all these things for their vacation. And everyone is just shitting on them. Um, we find out that the neighbor across the street, Walt, uh, this older man, really dislikes Luther. Like, he and Luther just never get along. And it's very much a, like, they are friends, but they just shit on each other all the time. Yeah. Uh, like, from the outside, it looks like they're not friends, but clearly they are. And um, we find out that Walt uh, has a wife and Bev is dealing with cancer at the moment and they thought she had beat it but it has come back and now Bev and Walt are both kind of down on the Christmas spirit as well and their neighbor across the street the cranks not doing Christmas is only making it worse (laughs) so the kids are all trying to get fucking frosty put up and everyone is just shitting on the cranks continuously. This literally goes on and on and on for a solid hour of this movie. Like, I'm not kidding when I say it just goes on and on. They keep getting new people involved. It's like the ho- the Homeowners Association, like, neighbor guy is on their case. Walt from across the street is on their case. Like, Bev is not doing well. It would mean so much if you had your Christmas spirit up and blah 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 you know they're trying to like pick and prod at the cranks to get them to back down but they are standing their ground and they are not giving in they're like we just want to go on a fucking vacation no so you know an hour goes by or so in the movie and then it is finally christmas eve the cranks are all packed up for their flight for their travel they are leaving um christmas day at like 10 in the morning and they've got all of their stuff figured out they've got their crews and their air their flights everything's figured out and christmas eve morning they get a phone call from their daughter blair now she is at the miami international airport she is on her way home from peru with her peruvian fiance enrique as a surprise for her parents. <laughs> and Blair asks on this phone call if they are having their usual party that night. And Nora panics because she misses Blair so much and says, yes. So then Luther and Nora spend the entirety or like the first half of Christmas Day freaking out and trying to decorate their house and coordinate a party with only 12 hours before their daughter and their future son-in-law arrive. So we get a scene of Nora or Jamie Lee Curtis at the grocery store looking for this 
what is it, honeyed ham? Yeah, ham in a like a container. ham in a can yeah. thing. I don't know. It's, it's like got to be a Midwest thing. Yeah, it's got to be a Midwest thing. Um, and she goes and tries to get that, but of course there are none left because it's Christmas Eve morning. And then um, she ends up finding one and paying somebody like an insane amount of money for it, only for it to get run over by a truck. And then Luther goes to buy a tree from the Boy Scouts, but of course it's Christmas Eve, so they have nothing. And the Boy Scouts are all pissed at him, so they make him pay, like, the most for this sad, like, dried-up tree that is just a stick by the time he gets home. Um, And then he goes and talks to another neighbor, uh, Wes, who is leaving for um, his in-law's house. He and his wife and his kids are, like, going to see their in-laws, and they're not going to be back until tomorrow night. So... He and Luther strike up a deal. Luther's going to borrow his Christmas tree just for the night and he'll put it back, you know, and have it exactly where it was, it looking exactly like it was by tomorrow. He just needs it for the party tonight because Blair's coming home and it's this whole fucking thing. So, you know, of course, shenanigans ensue. He enlists uh, the little kid to help him and they wreck this Christmas tree trying to get it across the street and out of the one house and into the other house. It is just wrecked. And then Nora comes home or sorry, people are seeing this happen and they're like, Crank's gone crazy. He's stealing Wes's uh, Christmas tree. Call the cops. So the cops show up (laughs) and the kid bolts because he's a kid. Like, why wouldn't you? Um, but then eventually the kid comes back and he's like, well, if it was really like a breaking and entering situation, would we have the key? And he shows him the key to Wes's house. And he's like, oh, okay, sure. I get it. And, you know, Crank explains, Blair is coming home. We're trying to set up this party. We don't have anything, blah, 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 blah. And Nora comes home and she has nothing but smoked trout. And she's like exasperated. She's trying to throw together a whole like, party feast situation with nothing because the grocery store had nothing and she's like luther go put frosty on the roof and he goes and tries to do that and then he fails and he falls off (laughs) he and frosty both fall off their roof um now he told the cop of course why he was stealing this christmas tree But once he's hanging upside down from his house, another neighbor comes over and attempts to help him and asks, like, what are you doing? And he's like, Blair is coming home. She called us like four hours ago. She's going to be here like in six hours or whatever, eight hours. We have to set up a whole, we have to have a whole party. We got to set up, have this house looking like it always does for Christmas. We're freaking out. We don't know what to do. And the head of their homeowners association, Vic, is like, okay, here's what's going to happen. And he gathers basically all the neighbors that are staying on the block and he assigns everybody their roles and is like, okay, you have turkeys and you were going to do whatever. I don't care. Come over to the cranks. We'll do the turkeys at the cranks. It'll be part of the party. And everyone's coming to the party and we're blah, 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 blah. So neighbors to the rescue, even though they were shitty as fuck, before (laughs) neighbors to the rescue they make this party happen they decorate the house all beautiful uh they get all the food set up and um while nora was shopping earlier she comes across this random person in the store named marty and starts making like small talk with him 
and she invites him to the party because everyone that she usually invites to the party already has made other plans, so they can't come. So now the party is going to be all her neighbors now who I guess usually come, but... Yeah, it kind of sounds like the street, that's where they go for the party anyway. Yeah, but I don't think all of the neighbors usually come because there were her friends at the that were at that lunch or whatever, Yeah, and they had already had other plans for something. So, I don't know. Some of the neighbors had already made other plans. But she invites this guy named Marty, and she can't... She doesn't know why she knows. She, like, recognizes him but doesn't, and she can't quite place him. And she's like, yeah, come over to our house for a party because we need to fucking fill out this party, right? So everyone is almost finished setting up, and they send the police to go get Blair and her fiancé. Like, the cranks can't leave because they're trying to set up for this party. We'll get a police escort. That'll be the safest way to do it. And the police are talking on their radio with the little kid. And the little kid is letting them know, hey, you guys got to stall. Like, I need you to stall because, like, the house isn't ready yet. The house isn't ready. Keep stalling, keep stalling, keep stalling. So they stall. And they start driving through this, like, sketchy part of their town. And they respond to a robbery in progress. Where they find this guy who is, like, trying to steal a VCR or something. Yeah. <laughs> out of a fire escape. Off a fire escape. And um, he, Jake Busey, runs after him and catches him. And they throw him in the back and end up taking him to the Crank's house with uh, Blair and her fiancé, Enrique. And then they're at the party. So, hooray! The party is great! Blair has no idea that this wasn't already gonna happen. Like, (laughs) yeah. Um, Enrique is super happy. This is his first American Christmas. He thanks everyone for the warm welcome. Nora thanks her neighbors for being amazing. Um, But Luther gives, like, a sad, half-hearted, like, yeah, ditto what... Nora said and just fucking walks away um and when Nora confronts him about it he tries to convince her that they can still go on the cruise he's like we can leave Blair here Blair and Enrique can have the house to themselves we can go on our cruise like he was really looking forward to it and Nora flat out refuse refuses and is disgusted that he isn't happy enough that Blair is home which I I side with Tim Allen. Like, yeah. Blair, fucking cool, but go. Like, we had a plan already. Um, so then he leaves. And we're kind of confused why he leaves for a minute. Um, and he ends up at his neighbor, Walt, right? His yeah. name was Walt. Walt's house. And he is talking about the party and, um, like, seeing, you know, he noticed that they didn't come and he was asking why they didn't come. And Walt's basically like, we were going to and then it started snowing. And basically, you know, they ensue that his wife, Bev, could not make the trek across the street because of the snow. There's too much of a risk there for her getting sick. So he was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And then... He decides um, to give the cruise to 
Walt and Bev. So he basically offers them everything. He's like, I can change the flight. I'll change the names on the flights. I'll change the name on the cruise booking. Um, I'll even cat sit uh, Muffles, which is this angry ass cat that does not like Tim Allen. Like they are mortal enemies in this fucking neighborhood. Um, and Walt and Bev keep declining, but um, Luther is just like adamant, like, please, like, you know, go, it'll be fantastic. You'll get to see all these things and we've got everything paid for. You don't even have to pay us back. Like, it's fine. Just if you don't go, no one's going because we're not going. It's just a waste. So go. And ultimately they accept and they, <laughs> he comes out and he thanks Luther very much. And he's like, is it cool if I just keep hating you when I get back? Like, <laughs> are we cool to just keep, keep that up? And Luther's like, yeah, totally. Like, we, we don't have to be friends anymore, but, or be friends for real or whatever. But this, we, you know, this might be Bev's last Christmas. Like, go do something fun. So they're all excited. And then he goes back to the party. Now, the kid, uh, the neighborhood kid, sees the burglar in the back of the car who's just been chilling outside for question mark time while everyone else parties because the cops are in the house fucking playing guitar and singing with Enrique. <laughs> and Spike, the kid, is just like, oh, well, if you promise to be good and whatever, you can go in and get a plate um, and just hang out for a little bit and then I'll put you back in the car like in 20 or 30 minutes. If you promise to be good. So the guy promises him, of course, to be good and then fucking doesn't do that. And he like goes and quote, gets a plate for like two seconds and then runs upstairs and starts ransacking jewelry. <laughs> and then um, everyone notices like that this dude is fucking doing that and he ends up uh, getting stopped by Marty at the party. He's like, what the hell, dude? Stop that shit. And he ends up getting arrested again. So Marty ends up revealing to Luther who he actually is. At the beginning of the movie, there was this part where Luther was having to run back into the store a bunch of times to get something for Jamie Lee Curtis, like in the middle of a rainstorm. And he kept refusing an umbrella from this guy dressed as Santa. Like this person dressed as Santa was trying to give him an umbrella. Like, hey, you look like you need this. You look like, and the guy was just like, Luther was just like, no, I'm just running in for a second, for a second, for a second. That guy is Marty. And guess what? That's actually Santa, of course, because we have to do that in every Christmas movie. This normal ass person who dresses up as a fake Santa is actually real Santa yeah. at the end of the movie. And he ends up like driving off in a VW bug and then like the most horrible CGI reindeer are all of a sudden pulling this oh, yeah. VW bug in Forgot like leading into the credits. It's ridiculous. So anyways, before the credits roll, uh, Luther is happy and he finally admits to Nora that skipping Christmas was not a good idea. Um, and Nora suggests that they should do it next year. And then the movie ends. So Otis, who was your favorite character in Christmas with the Cranks? It's kind of tough. Uh, a lot of people were pooping this movie. But 
probably have to go, I don't know, Laura and Luther? Uh, Nora and Luther? Yeah. You get a lot of them, and you kind of follow their, I don't know, I guess you, you get a lot of their point of view of everything, and just knowing what they wanted to do and what they didn't want to do, it's like, our daughter isn't here, it's just me and my wife, I'd rather get out of here and have fun somewhere, and then, you know, just dealing with, you know, the grumpiness of the town, so... Uh, yeah, I I really did enjoy them a lot in this movie, even though they had their moments where I was like, y'all are annoying too. It, just everybody was a mess in this movie. Uh, what do you? What about you? Um, I think my favorite character is probably gonna be um, Spike Frohmeyer. The kid was kind of a shithead for like the first half, where he was just yelling and yelling and yelling about free frosty, but after when. As soon as it's Christmas Eve and they find out that Blair's coming home, Spike came in clutch. Like, none of the things that happened throughout that last half of the film would have happened had Spike not been there. Like, they were able to use his wagon to help get the Christmas tree in. Like, he helped pull all of the, like, ornaments off the tree to start moving it. Uh, He helped... Do all these things. He was the one who basically got all the neighbors in. He was the one calling the police on his fucking CB radio that he had for some fucking reason. (laughs) Like, Spike was, after he was shitty, he was the best character, I think. Because Nora and Luther both had these, like, qualities about them that just rubbed me wrong. Like, aside from their wanting to go on a... Caribbean cruise or whatever like that's fine but Nora was too much of a like stick in the mud and Luther was really selfish like throughout the thing so it just like neither one of them worked for me what about your least favorite character I said act one and two rest of the all of the neighbors yeah (laughs) everybody and I get that's funny That, that is a really good angle in a comedy you have people just acting crazy about something like fanatic about something that's hilarious you have dan Aykroyd. he is like the leader of this block and he's just always there watching just trying mm-hmm. to make sure that christmas goes off correct and there were really funny scenes like jamie lee curtis when dan Aykroyd's like at her window and she's trying to drive away and she like rolls up the window on his fingers and he's like getting dragged down the street like moments like that are hilarious because it's Dan Aykroyd but you know thinking of it not just as Dan Aykroyd but like a real situation I'm like these people suck like get off my yard before I fight you but yeah the first two acts they were crap and then the second that Luther asked for help they were down they were down to help and I thought that was cool and it was a weird it was a weird switch, because they were all fanatic and mean, but then the second he asked for help, they were like, okay, yeah, yeah, we're, we're friends again. I'm just like, that was weird, but I, I don't know. That's the Christmas spirit, I guess. Well, it was also like, uh, we're not doing this for Luther, we're doing this for Blair. Oh, true, Everyone true. was like, she's the one, she babysat your kids, and she did this, and she always helped in the bake sales, and did all this stuff, and we're doing it for Blair, not for... Luther and not for Nora. Like I forgot. Blair's that amazing. Was the line. Yeah. That yeah. it really wasn't for them. It was for the girl. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. So I also said all the neighbors because they were pieces of shit. 
But to do a little something different, I'm going to go with the awful, and I do mean fucking awful, CGI reindeer at the very end of this movie. There was absolutely no goddamn need for there to be CGI reindeer in this movie. There was no CGI in the rest of this film. There were a lot of like weird slapstick gags. There was a lot of like people getting hurt and funny things happening. Um, But all of a sudden, right at the end, you felt the need to throw in a fucking CGI reindeer pulling a CGI VW bug through the sky. Like that was uncalled for and unnecessary. All right. What about your seven word synopsis? So I have one, but I probably could have had a couple more, but they all kind of boil down to the same thing. So whole town could have got these hands. <laughs> like seriously, like, you know, first of all, when I'm like, we're not doing this, me and Katie are going to go somewhere else. Why? I don't really need to tell you. You're not my dad. Because we fucking mom. feel like it. That's why. Because we're not. That that's that's all you really need to know. But if it gets to that point, uh, we don't want to just celebrate Christmas. But but it's Christmas. I don't give a fuck, man. I, I told you. I don't really have to tell you this part. I'm doing this just as a as a service, really. But like I said, this I just those... be I'd be super super fucking grumpy and just be like, hail Satan. Like <laughs> I don't. <laughs> What, what do you want from me? <laughs> but this was, you know, a perfect town in a book. You know, this, this is the kind of place where, but everybody does it. Like, why yeah. are you not? It's like Pleasantville. It's like, but we all do this. My right? brain was automatically was like, it's like Pleasantville. Yeah. It's like, we all do this. Why why, why do you not? And I'm like, oh. Because I don't fucking want Oh, you're used to this. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah so it's just, ugh, it was just a lot. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I only had one as well, and I definitely could have had more, uh, but my number, my one actual fucking explanation of the movie this time, Empty Nesters Attempt Vacation, Daughter Foils Plans. You want to talk about the real villain of this movie? It is fucking Blair. How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) I'd be so mad if somebody came home Somebody just announced they were coming home, like yeah, the last second. That's yeah, crazy. an hour before, like you didn't call at all to maybe like see what the plan is for Christmas or any of that. Come on, they got phones in Peru. Yeah, I guess she just assumed that they would just keep doing what they were doing without her. Which I guess, like, okay, from an adult standpoint, that's a dumbass assumption. But like, eighteen-year-old me, like, if I was in Blair's shoes. I too would make the same assumption. Yeah. I assume. My mom's going to be at home. Yeah. I assume that when I left for college, everything just went on the same. But also there was a, the idea that I would be back for holidays because I didn't go very far. Like, yeah, that's true. I didn't go to Peru, I guess. But still, I don't know. It's very, very odd. Yeah. So, Otis, what do you think the budget for Christmas with the Cranks was. So, like, Tim Allen, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yeah. Before you even get to oh. that, let me... I'm just going to list off the fucking cast of this movie. So, like Otis said, we got Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis. They're the leads of this movie. Then we got the fucking insane cast of Neighbors. Okay, we got Dan Aykroyd. We got uh, Emmett Walsh and Elizabeth Franz as Walt and Bev. We've got Eric Persullivan, who is Dewey, or Spike. Then we've got Cheech Marin 
as Officer Salino. Jake Busey as Officer Treen, his partner. We've got Austin Pendleton. We've got Kim Rhodes. We've got Caroline Ray and Felicity Huffman. Like, so many fucking people in this movie. Uh, David Hornsby is in it. It's Rickety Cricket from It's oh, Always yeah. Sunny. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like a young Rickety Cricket. Oh, yeah. He was really little in this. Oh. Uh, okay. So now that I've kind of explained how many goddamn famous people are in this movie, what do you think the budget for this movie was? Uh, with those people, this was, what, 2004? Um, uh, 2004? Yeah, so 2004. I don't know what Tim Allen was doing around this time. But I assume he was a pretty hot commodity because of um, the Santa Clauses and home improvement. Um, so he probably got a pretty good amount of money. I'm gonna say forty million. Um, you would be wrong, sir. Sixty million dollars. I had I didn't take to account Jamie Lee Curtis because this was after True Lies, and that was a great movie, and she's already done movies. And after before. the Halloween H two O. Yeah, so and she's like, already been doing great movies, and she's and after freak, actually, this might have been after Freaky Friday, or at the same time as Freaky yeah. Friday. So she's been a legit lead in movies, so she got paid too. Yeah, and Dan Aykroyd, he can be a lead oh, or just Dan a funny person. So yeah, yeah, those three right there were that was tons of money. Yeah, and then there were tons of just supporting people that like like Cheech. Uh, he's been a lead before in movies, so they're like, you know, people are going to get paid. They're going to get their money, so. Yeah. That makes sense that $60 million was... Because the scenes, it wasn't it really a many different things. No, like, it was just like their neighborhood and inside a grocery store. two houses that they saw, but yeah. Yeah. Which could have been the same house, just positioned differently. Oh, yeah. Just different angles. At yeah. a different angle, yeah. All right. Uh, what do you think the box office was? Uh, I'm going to say... Okay, thinking how I feel about it. As an adult watching at 60, I'm gonna say a hundred million. Very close. 96.6 million dollars. Yeah, I knew it didn't double. I knew it couldn't have doubled, but it made its money at least. I could see that out of the movie. Yeah, it's kind of tough for Christmas movies to double. Oh, for a lot of Christmas movies to double. You have to be like a very, very like this is gonna be a classic for years and years to come. To be one of those movies that just makes insane amounts of money. And it came out November 24th, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this would have been a Thanksgiving. Yeah, perfect time. Yeah. Thanksgiving 2004. I wonder what else it released with. Because usually, that's that's a big weekend. I am very curious. So in November of 2004, we had The Incredibles. It came <laughs> out in the 5th. Okay. National Treasure, that was the 19th. Polar Express, that was on the 10th. SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Ray was October 29th, so I don't know if it was still going by then. It probably, that won all sorts of Oscars. Uh, Bridget Jones, part two? Yeah. Uh, Seed of Chucky. Uh, that, was <laughs> that was probably almost out. Finding Neverland, that was on the 12th. Team America was on the 15th of October. Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. That's just about it. There were, I mean, there were some probably fighting things. mostly against The Incredibles and Polar Express because both of those movies did really well, and stayed for a long time. Yeah, and yeah, they they killed. So yeah, Shrek two. Oh no 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 that was oh sorry that was May I thought it said November nineteenth. Oh okay. I like Shrek shitting on everybody. <laughs> I was like I remember going to see that. Ooh man. Uh, would a, a what did a Harry Potter come out that year? 
I'm looking, but it would have been in the top numbers of things, not not this far down, because I'm in like the hundredth. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Harry Potter would be up there. No, it I must think... not have come out in November then. Usually, it's weird because most of them have come or ended up coming out around the same time. Yeah, no, I don't see a Shaun of the Dead was September. Hmm. Okay, but no, those are pretty solid movies that I had to fight against. Yeah. Still, I mean, it made over its budget, so I guess that's all you want for it. And it's remained, like, a Christmas, like, it keep people keep coming back to it. Yeah. It's not one of those Christmas movies that just, like, falls off the face of the earth and nobody remembers that it exists. People frequently are like, oh, yeah, Christmas with the Cranks. I love that movie, or I watched that movie a bunch. Because it's one of those movies that's always on. Like, it gets thrown into the 25 Days of Christmas countdowns and movie marathons or whatever that end yeah. up on ABC Family. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's or simple freeform. enough or there's enough to it that yeah. you know anybody can just really give it a shot. Yeah. So do you have any anything else to say about Christmas with the Cranks? No. Uh like I said, for younger people or people that can just like not think about it, uh you'll probably have a great time with this movie, but boy howdy, it was a couple of spots were killing me cuz I I'd have fought people. It'd have been a fight. Absolutely. But no, it, it's a fun one. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Our neighbors would have got these hands if they had treated us the way that these neighbors treated the cranks. It was a fucking mess. So if you have questions, comments, or suggestions on what we should watch next, you can hit us up on Twitter at Allentown Pod, on Facebook at Allentown Presents, or send us an email at AllentownPresents at gmail dot com. Thank you so much for listening to the seventh episode of our Christmas movie countdown. We will be back again tomorrow with another episode. Bye. See ya.